This Tennis.com podcast is brought to you by ASICS. Sound mind, sound body. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. It is the day you've all been waiting for, and I know that some of you just live for these days. It's Christmas. It's it's Christmas in May, French Open draw. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Peter Bodo and Richard Pagliaro. We're going to talk about the men's and women's draws. Steve Tigner is already in Paris. He'll be filing a little there today, full previews. We're going to give a little... Little as much as we can do to uh, kind of have his take on things and our take on things. We're going to start with the women's draw, um, and we'll start right at the top. We're going to go quarter by quarter here and kind of get our opinions on the matchups and you know what we think is going to happen in this tournament. Uh, at the top here, Karen Wozniacki, her quarter, and the immediate thing that you know about her, you recognize her. You usually don't recognize who the number 17 seed is or one of the lower seeds in a quarter, but in this case, it's Julia Garages who just beat Wozniacki twice in a row on clay. Uh, Stuttgart and Madrid, I want to say, are the two events. And so she, you know, that's a possible matchup down the line, but before we get to that, the rest of the seeds there, there's Wozniacki, Kuznetsova, who won two years ago, Garages, as I mentioned. There's also last year's finalist, Samantha Stozer. Uh, let's just start with kind of Wozniacki here since she's, as always in these slams, kind of the bigger story. What do you think about her chances as you see this draw? You know, what about her maybe making the semis or is it going to be a tough road or, you know, what do you guys think? I think her big obstacle is Kuznetsova, frankly, because you never know how Svetlana's going to come up. And, you know, usually players who have won majors, you know, they, they go back, they feel pretty comfortable at those majors again. If they lose early, they're devastated, but they go in there feeling pretty confident. And it's always a fresh wind, like, hey, maybe I can recapture the, you know, get the get the genie back out of the bottle this time. So I think that's the toughest thing for her. And I'm not really that wild about the way Stozer is playing. And she would be, she'd really be slated to play Stozer in her quarters. So I think uh, I think it's a pretty solid draw for um for Wozniak. You have to watch out for, for Bartoli, who can, you know, hit the ball, crack the ball, and, and, and give her problems of the same kind that that maybe Gurgis gave, gave her. So you don't think Wozniak is going to lose to a player that's double her age in the first round? I don't, but I love Kamiko anyway. I know. I had, mm-hmm. to, had to get her in there. Richard, what do you what do you think about this? I, I have agree, some comments, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I kind of agree because Kuznetsova is so enigmatic. Where when you when the expectations are least, sometimes she produces her best. I think the concern for Wozniacki is if Gorgas was able to get through to that quarter, she just doesn't. Wozniacki doesn't really match up. Now I realize you know beating somebody in Stuttgart, it's a whole different ball game to do it in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, but. You know, Gorgas's forehand to Wozniacki's forehand, she'll take that play all, all day long. I, I agree with Pete, you know, that uh, Stoser's been a little shaky, but she is coming off a, a pretty big final, and she's got a lot of points on the table to defend, so she's another one you really got to watch out for. I want to mention two names here that I'm looking at that um, when I was look, putting the draws in here, two, play, two girls who usually would be seated at this event we have Martinez Sanchez, and I only bring this up because I think these are potentially maybe early round 
obstacles for someone like Wozniacki if they, if they can get on a little run. Martina Sanchez won Rome last year, I'm pretty sure. The other girl is uh, Rezai, who is French. She also won a significant clay title uh, last year and, you know, a very hard hitter, someone who on the right day is pretty much the exact opposite of who you would want Wozniak to be facing if you are a fan of hers. I'd say. She won Madrid, in fact. And, and you know, I stand corrected. I had mentioned Bartoli. I meant to say Arvon Rezai. She's, um, you know, she, she can hit the ball, you know, uh, a ton. She can whale it. Yeah, yeah even on it, clay. I mean, she gets the time, too. You know, and Gord says, I think it said, you know, after her wins that she had a formula. She was playing, I think, to, you know, to what to Caroline's backhand, I think, trying to keep her sort of pinned and then really tee off when she had a chance to go for the big placement. And that's what she did. That was her formula. Easier said than done, but Brazai is capable of doing that as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, bottom half, the bottom half of this top half here, uh, this is the... Veras von Reva portion of the draw. He means the second quarter of the draw, folks, looking from the top down. Yes, thank you for that. This is not, in my opinion, a very imposing part of this draw. Pete and I, for our editor's picks, we both took Yelena Yankovic as like our dark horse selection. I, I think for a reason being that there's a lot of questions about the higher seeders. Von Reva has been super consistent at slams. The past three, she's made the, the final four. Still, that doesn't somehow convince us all the way. It's her kind of, record's not that great at the French Open. I was a little yeah. bit surprised yeah. looking at her she French Open it. record. So she's really better as a hardcore player when yeah. she can use that little slice. And she doesn't have a lot of wins on clay this year either. Yeah, it, it's... I don't, think, I don't think any of us are terribly sold on the number three there. You have Yankovic, like I said, um, Petrova, Clayman over there as well. And then at the bottom is Schiavone, last year's champion. Uh, she ends up with uh, Melanie O'Dan in the first round. Schiavone, um, Richard, I believe you just wrote on her for our, our women's series that we've been writing this week. Tell me a little about Schiavone and why why you you may not think it necessarily could be just a flash in the pan performance last year. Well, because of the variety, because she can defend and her serves bigger than you think for someone five five. And I was just watching her few minutes ago, she took what she's got Wozniacki into the third set in Brussels where she's not playing well at all, but she's still competing hard enough to take the number one into a into a third set. Her forehand was a little shaky today, so I think she's got to shore that up. To me, it's a question of the pressure because I think she's got a pretty decent draw. I mean, I, I think she's going to win a few rounds and then maybe get to Yankovic and we'll see what happens. So what do you think of Yankovic? You know, Pete and I stand on this issue. I, I don't know that she's going to do enough offensively to get to the back to the semis. I mean, she's she's definitely a quality player. I just don't know if she's a little she's a little bit like Wozniacki. You wonder if she's going to be able to step up and pull the trigger in a big spot and and make the shot. To me, Pavlyuchenkova is another one to watch just because she hits the hell out of the ball and she's fearless. Yep. Uh, Pete, any thoughts on this before we move on this particular quarter? Well, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm of the school that it's a fairly weak quarter. Although you got some players who can pull an upset there. you got an Elise Cornet who, you know, she catches a win. She can do well. you got Sibyl Bammer, of course. Um, and, you know, Yelena Dokic is in there. You know, yet again, another Yelena Dokic resurrection, you know, <laughs> perhaps in the cards. And Bethany Matak-Sands, who yeah. um, we all yeah. love. And she's uh, – she, she had a great run there in uh, Madrid, I guess. Or was it Rome? Madrid, I guess. Yeah. And um, – you know, she she put up some wins there, and uh, it's too much to hope for from a purely American point of view, I guess. But 
you know, I can't help but but see that in the fourth round it could be an Udan versus Matek Sands, but uh, that would be that would be a surprise if that came to pass. If both of those women that made, would be made it that far, that that would be newsworthy. I would say if that had, that came to pass for sure. Let's go to the other half of the women's draw, the third quarter overall here. A lot of heavy hitters in this one. There's Azarenka, who is the number four seed. Um, Kvitova, the number nine seed, very trendy pick for this tournament. There's also Ivanovic, who has won the French Open before. Lina is the number six seed. And we also have uh, Kanepi, who oddly last year was qualifying for Wimbledon, and now she's the number 16 seed at the French Open. That's kind of an incredible turnaround there, I must mention. Um, Sabolkova also here. It's kind of a you know it's kind of a very offensive quarter uh, compared I think to a lot of the others, and I ended up taking Azarenka out of this quarter. I, I think you know I I made her my pick to win the tournament. It's 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 obviously a you know a very tough selection who you'd say, but I do think if it's kind of a caveat with her injury, she's coming in off two retirements within the last about month and a half, yet every other ter- just about every other tournament she's played, she's made the finals, um, done extremely well that she's coming off that win in Miami, too. Uh, I, I sort of like Azarenka in this draw, but I could be very much talked into Kvitova as well um, with what she's done on Madrid. She just won there. What do you guys um, think about this quarter here? I'm with you. I think Kvitova is, is a terrific pick. I ended up picking Caroline Wozniacki as, as a champion in my in my um, in my picks, editor's picks, but uh, it was very very tough. You know, I really was sort of you know um, leaning toward Kvitova pretty pretty strongly there. But I figure with Azar you know, with with Wozniacki being number one, she sort of earned the right to be the favorite kind of. So and and I think the same thing on a men's side for Djokovic. In fact, um, but Kvitova, boy, she's she's dangerous and she can do it. And and you know, she showed that she could do it on clay, which is huge. Right. Yeah. This is a, whoever gets out of this half. I mean. Go way down the line. This is a tough, tough half, I think, of the two here. The draw. So many power hitters, and we're going to get to the Kleister's court in a little bit. Uh, Richard, any thoughts on this particular court? I went with Kvitova as a dark horse because, to me, the name of the game, you still got to hold serve, and out of everybody in that quarter, I think when her serve's on, she's got the most dangerous serve. You know, Anna's won it before, but she's got some some issues with the wrist, so we don't really know about her health. And I agree with you on Azarenka. To me, the question is emotionally and mentally, is she going to be able to withstand it? Lina's terrific athletically. It's just she hits a little bit flatter than anybody else. So if she's a little bit off or it's one of those swirly, windy days where she can't time the ball quite right, I mean, that's a bit of an issue for her. And I think you're right about Sabolkova, too. This is a girl that beat Maria Sharapova at the French was in the semis a few a few years ago, so you can't overlook her either. If I had to pick somebody, I did go with Kvitova. It's funny we were earlier talking about the you know what is really a dark horse. I mean, can you call Roger Federer a dark horse? Can you call Maria Sharapova a dark horse? You know, these are players who won yeah. Grand Slams or icons in the game and stuff. And you know, so it's tough to what does a dark horse really mean? But I mean, I think I think Richard kind of nailed it with it with picking Kvitova because you could actually call her a dark horse, even though she won a tournament recently, even though she's in a top ten, she's never won a Grand Slam, never been within shouting distance of number one. That's a legitimate dark horse. Kind of a pick, and frankly, in in this situation, that's as good a dark horse pick. Yeah. That's as likely a dark horse candidate to win a tournament 
as we've had. I agree with on. you because she she can just play on her terms. She doesn't really have to adjust to what you bring to the table. If she plays her game, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, you're, to her. yeah you're gonna be reacting to that lefty shot right. in the all game. Your right. your game's gonna have to be tailored against them. A lot of streaky players in this, and I, I think oddly, it seems like Kvitov has actually been one of the most consistent, which you wouldn't you normally say with like a big sort of go for it hitter like her, but uh, she's really really impressed, and uh, I could very much see why people would would take her down the road there. Uh, the final part of this uh, this draw here, this is where Kleisters is. She remains in number two seat after quite a few weeks of um, of inactivity. Um, I think she kind of eases her way into this. This is pretty, you know, I think there could have been a lot worse draws for her as someone who hasn't played in six months. Down the road, if she progresses far enough, Andre Pekovich possibly awaits, and then eventually, this is another, you know, no sure thing, but this is Maria Sharapova's quarter as well, who just won Rome last week. But a lot of people I'm sensing are on the Sharapova bandwagon, and um, I don't know if I'm ready to to hop aboard, uh, you know, totally just yet. I think it was a certainly a nice, you know, a very nice uh, performance in Rome. I do think she benefited a lot from that Azarenka retirement match. She was she lost the first set in that, but. I mean, you can't discount the wins over Wozniacki and um, and Stozer either. Um, do you guys think that Kleisters and Sharapova will meet in the quarters? You know, uh, I, I give Kim Kleisters a hard time frequently. It's kind of a sport of mine. But uh, I must say, in all seriousness, though, trying to put even that aside, I think Petkovic uh, is a very tough fourth-round opponent, mm-hmm. opponent for Kleisters. Given away, Kleisters has been sort of up and down and prone to having these big lapses in matches. And Petkovic has sort of been on a roll. She quieted down a little bit now. But she's, you know, she seems like, you know, she's going to have to make a move. There's a good tournament for her to make a move. And I think for her in the fourth round, if she gets to the fourth round and Kim gets there too, I think she'll see that as a big opportunity. There's a very good chance that, she, that Kim will end up being really nervous in that match. Uh, Pekovic has impressed me this year really just with just her mindset and mentality on these things. I don't, I, she's, she doesn't seem, I mean, she kind of plays by her own rules really anyway. It, it's, it's sort of, we've sort of kind of learned that over the years. But, you know, very focused player, very you know hard hitting player. I think you know she's made the the jumps that I think a lot of people have been looking for in these sort of second tier WTA to really sort of elevate themselves into this top tier that's really been kind of stagnant for many years. And uh, you know, depending on how she does here, she could you know maybe even go up even higher. So. It ought to be said though, she's got a very tough first round in Jovanovski. Yeah. She's one of the upcoming yeah. young players, and the girl is tough. Jovanovski is has got a very very good mentality, good head for the game. You know, she got two head cases for role models in Ivanovic and Yankovic, but you know, but she's she's a tough girl. It's gonna be a tough first rounder. It's, yeah, there's gonna be some. It's probably one of the there. better women's first rounders in the whole tournament. I would say you're right. Any final thoughts on this, Richard? From you, I went with Kim. You know, primarily because I just think she has the most complete game out of anybody in the draw. But I think you're absolutely right. We don't really know what what her movement's gonna be because we don't know how she's going to bounce back from the ankle. And I, and I think it's true, Petkovic, if she makes it to that fourth round, that's a tough match. What I like is that Kim brings more a little more variety to the, to the table than Petkovic or Sharapova, who are who like the pace and like that consistent rhythm of the, of the harder shot. And I think if you can mix it up, especially with Sharapova, if you can make her move, you know, you're in there with a shot. So One other person I take note of here is Virginia Rosano, who's playing – just a week after the death of her fiance, um, and 
you know, she, you know, it was a very emotional thing. She said that he had asked her, uh, Stefan Vidal, her fiance who died, had, had told her to play the French Open. He wanted her to play the French Open, even though he was dying within a couple of days. And, you know, look, she's French. She's going to be at home. Her story is a big story in France, losing her fiance, the anchor of her life. She said some very, very nice things about him in recent days. And she's going in there. She's going to be playing with a lot of emotion, obviously, you know, uh, playing sort of for his memory. You know, it's it, it, all the thing factors are in place for her to, to win a would couple they put matches. Her, would they put her on center court with all that minor? Is that sort of too much? I don't think they would have put her on center court first round uh, with whoever. she. I mean, she's got a, I guess her first round is going to be Medina Garrigues. Um, you know, it's I don't know. It's going to be Jarmilla. Oh, no. Jarmilla. Yeah. Guy Sova. Jarmilla Growth. Recently Growth. You know, they might. She's a senior player. I think they're going to put her on show courts. I mean, I don't yeah. think they're going to make her play on court 11. And Yeah, I was rounds. just wondering if, if – I just got thinking about that. If that seemed like to be just too much attention on the subject. But obviously, being a French player, she's probably going to get some nice treatment from the courts anyway. But that's – And they wanted to get the crowd. You know, they want to get her – you know, if they can get her out, they get the crowd behind her. Everybody knows what her story is. That You know, it can really help her. You know, there's nobody really big for her to, to, to knock off um, until she gets – you know, uh, to around the fourth round, or I guess she would have maybe Petkovic uh, early too. She's another stumbling block potentially for Petkovic. But, um, you know, uh, and you know, it's probably too much to expect her to get to the semis or finals. I mean, she's number 96 in the world. But, yeah. you know, you never know. All right. We'll take a look at the men's draw next. The longest professional tennis match lasted 11 hours, 5 minutes, and took more than three days to finish. During the match, there were 980 total points played, 138 games, 2,189 strokes, and 489 backhands. And combined, the players spent over 11 hours on their feet. Just imagine how much longer they could have gone if they were wearing the ASICS Gel Resolution 3. With a Flexion Fit Upper for extra stability, it's engineered to go deep into the fifth set. ASICS. Sound mind, sound body. Okay, men's time here. A lot of uh, a lot of anticipation, I think, for this year's men's draw. Just in terms of who are these top seeds going to end up with in their first round? Nadal and Djokovic, of course, being you know one and one and one a kind of wherever you put them at the moment. Uh, Nadal ended up with about as tough an opening rounder as you you might want. Uh, you know, for someone who's earned so much there and everything, he gets John Isner in the first round. Not that I think Isner will beat him, but it's a you know nowhere near and sort of a I don't think it's going to be a six zero six three six zero score either by any means. Um, Nadal's quarter, he is placed in I think a very tough quarter when you look at the seeds here. The Soderling is the one that pops up immediately because Soderling's the only one who's beaten Nadal at Roland Garros two years ago. But there's a lot of impressive clay court seated players here and Davidenko who Nadal get pretty early for Dasko if he gets his head on straight Jill Simone who's playing at home and has done very well um, in the last few months you know guys like Sam Corey Marty Fish too they've won clay tournaments not not like I'm saying that you know they're immediate threats but I think this is one of the tougher uh, quarters in the draw not that that might mean much to Rafa, who's just owned this event lately, but um, why don't you guys give me your thoughts on Nadal and really this quarter in general? 
I agree with you about the quarter. Just, I mean, you know, there's there's some serious guys who can who can play. I mean, Federico Gil, who beat you know, um, you know, from Portugal, who beat uh, Monfils in um, in in Monte Carlo there, I guess. And then you've got um, you know, Kohlschreiber is a dangerous Kohlschreiber, you know? exactly. You unseated know, um, now, he's usually not unseated. unseated. Marcos Bagdadis, I mean, the guy's Lubacic been, is you know, unseated. He's you know, semifinalist here before. Um, and Monaco will make you work, you know. He's a danger. He could, you know. This is this is a, this is a quarter with a lot of landmines in it. Xavier Melise, you know. I mean, you've got you've got him too. Uh, Pablo Cuevas, didn't he win uh, Morocco a couple weeks ago? I'll take your word for it. You know, so I mean, you've you know, no, I, I think you're right about that. Nadal does have his work cut out for him. I think one of the sort of better things for him in a way is that Soderling has been sort of really lost at sea. You know, he can't, couldn't figure out his coaching situation. He hasn't played up to, up to par. I think he probably knows that he's going with a lot of pressure having been in the final twice. He could be more vulnerable this year than he has been in the past couple of years. And he's in Nadal's big stumbling block in the quarter. So yeah, it would be of great benefit for Nadal to not have that be a, uh, you know, a, a match, a match that really determines his fate and ever. But, I mean, if Solon gets Solon gets to the quarterfinals that far, he's going to be probably in all, probably playing well at that point. So we will, you know, we'll see about that. But that's a match. I think, I think I'd still take Solon to get that far. Um, he he actually doesn't have any terribly easy first run against Benjamin Becker. But, a bunch of qualifiers in his little section there for yeah, the first couple matches. Yeah, I, I think overall Solon's been he he's had some sort of. I scratching results this year, but he has those titles early on. I think come the clay, especially this clay here at Roland Garros, um, he just kind of finds a stride here. How about this for first rounder though? Juan Monaco against Fernando Verdasco. Yeah, that's going to be a good match. <laughs> Jeez, easy to sell tickets to. Yeah, that's not not a bad one there. The uh, bottom half here. This is where Andy Murray is seated. Um, he's a top seed at number four. Uh, Rayonich is here at number 26. A lot of people were wondering at the beginning of the year whether Rayonich would end up with a seat at Roland Garros, and he definitely didn't. He didn't just squeeze in at number 31. He's at 26. Uh, Dolgopolov is here, who I believe is in the finals of a tournament this week in, in Nice. Um, you also have Almagro. The other uh, single-digit seat is Jurgen Meltzer at the bottom, kind of one of the forgotten members of the top 10, but who made... The semis here last year, he came back from two sets to love down against Djokovic to win there. But he's played really lousy this year. I mean, he's he's a guy who's really going to be in big trouble if he doesn't duplicate that semi-performance. And based on what he's done, he's won, I think, one match in four or five of the past four or five of the last master in four of the last masters. So yeah, yeah, I really actually like um, Murray a little bit in this quarter. Um, it, it, I think it's manageable kind of for him, but but more than more than that is really just kind of how I saw him play against Djokovic in Rome. I mean, seeing how he seeing his, his movement on there and he was hitting the ball. I felt like harder than he was hitting on hard courts. Really, I mean, that was one of the finest matches I've seen him play. Period. He was really unlucky not to beat Djokovic there. I mean, he, he, I think he certainly should have when serving for the match. Um, but I, I really do kind of like Murray to maybe get this clay court bug off his back. Well, he's never he, he's done well on some some of the bigger Masters events, but I think this could be a good opportunity for him to make his mark on the Roland Garros stage here. Well, he's got two qualifiers to you know first two rounds yeah, are all going to be qualifiers, so you know he's certainly going to have he he can certainly play his way into the tournament, uh, as they say. So uh, you know that's going to work in his favor. 
And look, you got to think Cahill's going to help his disposition at the very least. I know it, ha- it has been a very brief time together so far, but if he can cut the crankiness and just go out and compete, I agree with you. That was one of the best clay matches I've ever seen the guy play. Should have won the match. I think Rayonich can give him trouble, though. I think I'm, I'm that kind of the like- guy. I think you know we haven't spoke about yet is Almagro. I now I know he's done nothing in Masters events, but he has had runs at Rolling Arrows before. He's got the clay core pedigree. It's just he's not the quickest guy around the court. But God, forehand and back. He's a guy I love to watch in person, but I would never. Yeah, I mean, I he's he, he's a very temperamental guy, but he's one of those guys, if he gets a few rounds, uh, you know, can get through, get some momentum going. A lot of kind of fun names here in this for the early rounds when you're watching the next couple of days. The return of Bernard Tomic to the um, main draw stage of, the, of Grand Slams. He's in there. You have Kevin Anderson, who sneaks in with the 32. See, I always like looking at who gets that last mm-hmm. seed. It's uh-huh. kind, of, kind of a funny thing. Nicholas Mahout, the return of him to Grand Slam play. I think I don't know if I've heard that he's got a wild. Sixty-eight. I don't know if he's yeah. I don't know if he's got a. Well, he's playing another big Surrey. He's playing Anderson in the first round, and um, also Tim Smyzik, who um, not Donald Young, and that's part of the draw. Tim Smyzik, as you probably all know by Against now, the ageless Chela. You know, was he like fifty-seven years old now? He's been <laughs> a long, still grinding away when Houston good, last year. Good clay player too. Yeah, yeah. Second half of the men's draw here. Um, start up top here with Roger Federer's quarter. Totally a non-discussion point from everything I can tell at the moment. From uh, I just I don't hear a peep about Federer. It's not even about you know if Federer gets on a roll here. You know he's the one who could beat Djokovic in the semis. It's I haven't heard a thing about Federer. Before we get into nuts and bolts here, what do you Pete, what do you think about kind of Federer at this point right now? I think it's a very big tournament for him. If he if he does not have a good tournament, you know, if he goes out and say, you know, before the fourth round, uh, then you know, it's just gonna add fuel to the fire of everyone saying Federer is really, you know, like, you know, going downhill quick. You know, let's remember the career isn't necessarily a bell shaped curve. Everyone likes to think it is, but but it isn't. You know, it's you know, very often a career just goes off a cliff and you suddenly you go from being number two or three or one in the world, and next thing you know, you're number eleven and you haven't won you haven't been to semi to major in a couple of weeks. So a couple couple tries. So, you know, it's it's a critical tournament for him in that way. I think he still has um you know the goods to get to get really deep in the experience factor is is enormous in his part. I think the clay sort of helps him in some ways because he's not going to this whole you know it's not going to be an issue of this lost half step. He's going to have a little bit more time against most guys mm-hmm. to line up and make his shots, and so it's going to really be a matter of whether he's going to show what the thing he has not shown in his recent losses would be the consistent focus, the ability to keep his game at a high level and you know and and follow through with that and not have these lapses not lose focus not not and i agree with you totally and i think he's got to be vigilant from the first ball because you saw what eflo almost knocked him off in madrid so i think that maybe could help him in a way even though it's difficult playing a guy that you just barely squeeze by maybe in the in the bigger picture, that's a good way to start where he knows you can't have a lapse in that match. Yeah, for those listeners who don't know, it's Lopez, Feliciano Lopez, right. who almost beat Federer, who was, you know, who really should have beaten Federer uh, the other the other uh, week in, in a Masters event. So, and um, he gets him in the first round here. This is another, um, t- I think, tougher than the doll drawing, isn't there? I think when you draw Lopez right there, who's usually a seated guy, and then it doesn't get any easier for Federer really the west, rest of the way, depending on how far he goes. Um, he could play Sangha pretty early. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Wawrinka should be a test for him. That's kind of a uh, no. Wawrinka's gonna be a doormat for him, like yeah. he always is. That's, and Saga's gonna run out of steam at the beginning of the third set. Whoever wins it first, too, it doesn't matter if he's up two or down two or they split. So Monfils is here. Although Federer has um, beaten him in two of the last three French Opens in pretty late rounds, and also David Ferrer, guy who I would be very surprised if he doesn't go, you know, fourth quarters further. It's just ultra consistent on clay here. He's um, had a great spring too, Ferrer. He's really he's had a great spring, and he's going to be hell on a guy like Monfils. You yeah. know, Monfils is you know has is really short of matches. He's he pulled out with that cheese allergy and has not played recently. I think he's only like nine and four or something like that for the for the year. I mean, the guy just has not played a lot of tennis. And when you when you play like he does, stands back and says, "Okay, show me what you got. See if you can beat me." You know, he's not going to physically be able to stand up, I think, to what – even though he's practicing, et cetera, I, I don't think physically the match play being, you know, needing the kind of sharpness and focus and, and explosive ability match after match in a French Open. I don't see him getting by Ferrer. Right. The final quarter of this, the last quarter of the draw, this is where Djokovic is. If you're counting down the matches, I guess, to see if Djokovic can beat the record – of 42 straight wins to start a year. Here right now he's at 37. He gets Debacher in the first round. I don't think there should be much trouble. Debacher is a fine, uh, fine name, I think, at, at, against Djokovic to this point. Afterwards, the winner of Benoit Pair, Victor Hanescu. And then it really gets interesting if Juan Martín del Potro wins his first two matches because him and Djokovic couldn't meet in the third round. Very early, Del Potro, 25th seed. Del Potro does not have an easy first rounder himself in Karlovic. Karlovic is doesn't matter what surface is on. He set the ace record on clay, in fact. And uh, there's Galbus down there as well. Um, that's just in this little section of eight here. Um, but Djokovic del Potro, that's what I take away from seeing fourth this round. right off the bat. Um, that would be a fourth round match, which would get him how close to the record? Third round. Third round. Oh, That'd sorry. be a third rounder. That'd be third round, right. right. So how yeah, close he, does that get him to Djokovic the Djokovic would need to reach the... Um, he needs to beat Del Potro to... He needs five wins to tie it, so he'd need to go to the semis to tie, to have the record tied if he makes the final round. Right, you have to beats. win the quarter to tie it. Right, win yeah. the quarter to tie it. Yeah. Um, down there, as well as Bolucci, who had a nice run um, in Madrid... Gasquet is there. The other big C at the top is Thomas Burdich. I'll just ask it, uh, you know, Djokovic, let's just talk about him and what you think he's going to do this tournament. Is there any any chance of an early letdown, in your opinion, because of all he's played, the pressure that should be coming out with each successive round, or do you kind of put him in the final already at this point? I kind of put him in the final. I don't know about you, Rich, but... Uh... <laughs> I mean, if he plays the way he's been playing, I would put him in the final. I just think, you know, physically, you got to think sooner or later it might catch up to him, just the accumulation of matches and the and keeping the undefeated go- streak going. But if he plays the way he's been playing, yeah, I mean, you got to think he's going to... But, I, hey, even a guy like Bellucci gave him a pretty good match the last time out. I mean, it's not... A foregone conclusion, but I think if he's at he's at a level above everybody else, and if he sustains that level, he'll be in the final. You know, so a guy like in, in his case, he could be looking back and say, you know, I've had a great time. I've had a great beginning. I've won as many Masters as anybody has won in one year already this year. There's a lot more to come. He could be taking that attitude, saying it's been wonderful, or which I think is much more likely. In fact, I'm sure is the case. What he's thinking is, all right, I've set myself up for the big run. 
You know, he's looking at a big run. I got to believe he's going to be number one if he if he wins this. Obviously, right? There's a lot of scenarios goes, where he could be number. A lot one. of scenarios where he can be there's number very, one. So there's very few that he can't be number one. Actually. There you go. So yeah. basically, he's thinking this is time to close the deal. And the way you know he came out and he, he, if if he was going to show any signs of fatigue or of, uh, not even fatigue in terms of physical fatigue, or just being tired of winning and you know ha- having having had enough, saying all right, let me back off, back off from the truth a little bit. It would have happened during during Madrid or during Rome. I think. Yeah. He would have had that little lapse, taking a break, and then we start over. But now he's positioned himself so well. It would be such a dream for this guy to be such a such a great story for us and such a, a, a great thing for him. And you know this guy wants to be number one. That's his big ambition. So I, I think he's going to go in there pretty And I think fresh. most of the world wants to see Nadal Djokovic. It's just the concern for me is like, look, even last year, you, I mean, obviously he wasn't at the level last year, but Meltzer came back on him in five you know, can he do it? Oh, if Del Potro pushes him to four or five, if Bellucci pushed him, if Gasquet put, you know, what's going to happen? How's he going to respond? Let's let's find out. I would say it's. I don't want to say it's close as foregone conclusion as you could get putting him that far, but I will say that in the last few years of men's tennis, we've tended to get these dream matchups that we want. That's owing mostly to Ferran Nadal, but it seems. It seems that just the top guys in the men's game, which has just been elevated so much over recent years, have really kind of risen to the occasion when when it's sort of demanded in a way, I guess. So I I do expect an, a Djokovic-Nadal final. I think Djokovic is going to win it if, if that's happened. I just... I, there's no way I can pick against him right now. The five-set thing is big, though. I mean, I think that's not to be underestimated because you know, Djokovic has shown a bit of a weakness in five-set matches to let things get away from him. He showed it at Wimbledon a couple of times. Um, in Paris, I think his 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 results haven't been you know great in Paris compared to what you know what they've been at the U.S. Open, say, in in Australia. So you know, uh, I I think for him, I think what he's really going to have to be careful about is his five-set thing because you know. You know his wins over Nadal. You know they were they were they were pretty pretty fast, pretty efficient, basically and stuff. And I think Nadal's big hope going in has got to be that well, I can make that, I can keep making that guy play, I can wear him down, I can grind him down, I can make him start hitting errors or be a little bit less sharp. No one's ever beaten Nadal in five French. No one's ever even taken him five of the French. So who knows? This is a Grand Slam worthy uh, podcast. We uh, hope he didn't run out of battery on this one. <laughs> But thanks for listening, and we will be in touch during the tournament. We'll be talking with um, Steve and Pete over in Paris on occasion, and we'll obviously have plenty of coverage from everyone here at Tennis.com. So tune in for Pete Bodo, Richard Pagliaro, I'm Ed McGrogan. Thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 